Hey friends, welcome to the Eagle Community Church of Christ podcast. My name is John Gunter. This week we talk about the story, chapter 16. It's called The Beginning of the End. In this chapter, uh, well, this chapter focuses on two different people, really, Prophet Isaiah and also King Hezekiah. What we explore in the sermon is really how these two people stand out against what, what all's going on around them. So Hezekiah is a good king in the midst of so many very bad kings, including his son that follows him. Isaiah is a prophet among people who he understands are, are very bad. And so we, we talk about what it is to live a life for God in the midst of others who do not. But we hope this is beneficial to you. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll come see us sometime. Have a great week. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see all of you again. And um, as we begin this morning, I want to just kind of uh, preview some things we have coming up. Uh, we talked about May 21st. We're going to have Senior Sunday. Uh, I'm sure Jordan's going to line all of that out. Jordan is preaching that day. Uh, so uh, come prepared for that. The next week after the 28th, uh, I will not be here. I think Jordan's going to be out of town as well. Francisco is going to preach for us. Uh, so I hope you all uh, come out and, and hear him speak. I know it'll be great as well. And then the first Sunday of June, uh, so last year, going back to our small groups last year, I asked, is there anything you want me to preach over? And I got two responses. One was the book of Revelation, which you guys drowned in last year, right? And so we did that. And the other was studying the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to do that starting in June. And what we'll do that first Sunday, uh, I'll, I'll be taking over the adult Bible class during this, during this whole thing. And so the first Sunday, we'll kind of preview all that we'll go through. And then we'll have the sermon. And kind of like our small groups do now, uh, after that week, the Bible class every morning will be about the previous sermon. So you'll have a chance to open it up a little deeper, ask questions. And part of this is uh, that I want you to be thinking about is think about the questions you have. Think about some questions you have concerning the Holy Spirit and, and things I can address. You can get those to me, or if you want to just ask them in class, that's fine as well. Uh, but we'd love to, uh, to have a really good participation during the summer. I know summer's kind of crazy. We're all over the place. Uh, but I think it's a great time for the study. And uh, I, my plan is to put all of it, Bible class included, online. So if you're, you're out of town and miss something, you can pick back up. Uh, you can listen to our podcast and all of that. So uh, I think it'll be a great summer. Will you be here for it? I hope you will. I hope you will. This morning in the, in the story, uh, we talk about really uh, highlighting a couple of characters. Jordan has already ruined the surprise of one, if you haven't read. Uh, and that is uh, King Hezekiah. We also talk about... Isaiah the prophet. I want to, to throw one uh, interesting thing to you. I'm sorry, uh, over here. I'll get out of the way. Uh, but when I was in Israel, I try to include pictures to, to help you kind of visualize what's going on. Uh, one of the things that Hezekiah is known for, and Jordan mentioned that Hezekiah followed God, and that was not something that was very common, was it, with all the kings? And it seems like every king that comes up, what you hear is, such and such a king, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, or he did more evil in the sight of the Lord than anybody before him, right? The king Hezekiah was different. And, and so one of the things king Hezekiah was known for is building a tunnel. What they had to do was get water across the city 
And if you visit Israel today, you can still go into Hezekiah's tunnel and walk through it. Here is a, a picture of it. Now, you can see how narrow it is. Can you see at the bottom there's actually still water in it? It's kind of known as an engineering marvel uh, that, that he was able to construct this at this time. I did not walk into it. It is very, very narrow. And I thought, a narrow cave with a big guy and a bunch of water, not a good thing to do. <laughs> I actually walked into a Canaanite tunnel that was really close to it and even older than Hezekiah's tunnel, but it was dry and not as narrow. So it was, it was a great walk. But you can still today go and walk where Hezekiah had this tunnel built and walk through the water. But one of the things that we can learn from both Hezekiah and Isaiah is that following God, having faith in God, saying, I'm going to put God first, that does not mean that your life is going to be one of ease. That everything's going to go your way, is it? How many of us have put our faith in God in here? And we know that to be the case. And just because we claim Christ, just because we walk with Him and say, I'm a Christian, and we take that with us wherever we go, that does not mean that our paths are clear and the way is easy, is it? Hezekiah saw that, and he saw as, as people tried to, to take their lands in his time, and he's having to build such a tunnel to even be able to have water to the city. The same thing can be said again for Isaiah as he is among his people, and he knows not everything is right. One of the most magnificent things and, and scenes in Scripture for me is Isaiah standing before God. Have you ever thought about, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God this? Or the first thing I get to when I get to heaven, I'm going to do this. Right? You ever thought about that? I think about what I would ask God, the hard questions of life. You know, could I have made this other decision, God? And how would that have worked out? You, know, you ever wondered that? Some decisions I've made thought, yeah, that wasn't the right way at all, was it? But Isaiah gets this, this opportunity to stand before God, and we see this in Scripture, and we're going to read that this morning. In Isaiah 6, 1 through 8, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. That should haunt your dreams, maybe. I don't know. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. So as often as I think about what I might ask God when I get to heaven, or what I might even, you know, I might even bring some of my gripes and my anger and things didn't go my way and why didn't they, Lord? 
We see with Isaiah, I'm sure Isaiah had thought about the same thing. But when Isaiah comes in contact with the Lord, all of those things immediately go away. When Isaiah sees God, the the radiance, the brilliance of God is, is so majestic that the only thing Isaiah can think is, oh no, I'm a man of unclean lips. All of a sudden this confession of I understand where I am. I am a man of unclean lips and I am among a people of unclean lips. And he fears for his his safety or maybe even his life in this moment. And so I, I think that's one of those great opportunities we have in Scripture to read and to understand about the magnificence of God. That maybe we will bring all of the the things to Him, but in the moment that we see Him, God is so great, God is so good, that all we'll understand is how good God is and how far from that we are oftentimes. But in this moment, Isaiah is not left to uh, just kind of be put to ruin as he thought he might, is he? In this vision, Isaiah has this seraphim bring this coal over to his lips and say, You are cleansed of your sin. And what we see in Isaiah, we go back to Isaiah when we talk about Jesus all the time because Isaiah gives us this this imagery of what will be to come in his time. And for us, as we look back and we see all of this has been fulfilled, another main verse in, in the book of Isaiah is Isaiah 53. He says this, he says, Who has believed our message And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom uh, people hide their faces he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the, living, from the land of the living, of the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. 
Isaiah lived in a time, again, understanding as he stood before God that he himself was a man that was unclean. He understood that he walked among a people who were also unclean. The part of Isaiah's story is is this that we read in Isaiah 53 that saw this man who, who came and was punished. And when people looked at him, they thought, not, he's not blessed by God, he is cursed by God. Though he has faith in God and he walks the ways of God, the people looked at him and thought, no, God does not like him, he is cursed. Yet as he walked the walk on this life, he walked in a way that at his death he was able to take away the sins and justify many, as the scripture said. And so even for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to proclaim God and His faithfulness was not to walk on this earth in a life of pleasure, free from any harm. We often pray and are thankful that we are able to join together, that we're able to come on Sundays without any kind of fear of outside people coming in and harming us, right? And that's a worthy prayer. And we're thankful for those things. And we should be thankful for those things. But again, a life led in faithfulness to God does not mean that God just blesses us without any harm. Part of our walk, part of our journey out into the world is a difficult one, is it not? That if you are truly a follower of Christ, if you claim him, you have to walk out of these doors, away from the assembly, away from all of the safety that is here, into a world that may not be accepting of you. Is that true? It feels like that's more and more true as we go along, does it not? That back when I was growing up, and my my parents are here this weekend, so if I'm mentally thrown off, Paul said I couldn't use that as an excuse. I'm always that way. But they're here. But I I just think about my childhood and how at least it felt. That may not be reality. We understand that. But it felt like everyone was much more accepting of us and our Christian walk. Where nowadays it feels like, and may not be true for you, that when we walk out of here and we walk into other portions of our life, people say, keep that bottled up. You keep that to yourself. You keep that on Sundays. And for some of us, we're okay with that. But that's not following God. That's not following God faithfully. And what we see in these men's life is that we are going to go through hardship. We're going to go and we're going to live life and we're going to do things right. And sometimes things aren't going to go our way. Isn't that right? And so that's what's so special to me about our meetings together. Scripture tells us not to forsake the assembling together. And and sometimes I think we get so consumed with attendance that we forget like the real meaning of this. That we come together and we're able to be encouraged by by being with one another, with having these conversations together. I feel bad. I want you all to know I feel bad on Sundays a lot of times because I get to see you from here. But by the time I say that last prayer and I have that first conversation, a lot of you are gone. As long as you don't hold that against me, we're good. But there's so many conversations I'd like to have on Sundays. Because just seeing someone's face out here, it it, it just draws me into we are together in this walk. And I've talked about this recently with the church. 
But we are able to navigate all the things that go wrong in the world because we don't walk alone. We walk together, do we not? As we talked, was it last week, about being a part of the body that we, we don't walk just as an eyeball or a tongue or a, an arm or a hand. We walk as part of the body. And because of that, when things go wrong, we are together in that. How many of you have stories you could share about the church stepping up and encouraging you in times that were very difficult? Raise your hand, would you please? We don't need to forget those stories. Because when we, again, come to Scripture, we come to a tough part of our life that we can't understand. We're wrestling. We don't know the answer. Man, we can look back and see how people have just touched our lives. I uh, was working in IT one time, and, and I think I've told you guys this story, but worked for a company out of Little Rock, and I lived about two and a half hours from there. And uh, one, I think it's probably a Tuesday or Thursday morning, my boss shows up at like 8 o'clock in the morning from Little Rock. Again, a two and a half hour drive. That's always a good thing. Your boss is there that early and you didn't know he was coming. But I got the news that the company was restructuring. All the, the techs that uh, they were going to keep were going to be in Little Rock. Again, not where I lived. And so I was laid off right there on, on the spot. And I felt like, and I've, I've shared this with you, as, as we moved to this new place, as after we had moved to a, a, a new church and really had seen God's blessing on our lives from all of that, from the move, I wouldn't be standing here before you today had we not moved to this church. And so everything is going right. Everything is going well until it isn't. Isn't that right? The days keep coming fast and, uh, and the moments keep coming faster until you're Somewhere where something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. I've said oftentimes that uh, you're standing in a hospital with someone sick. That clock on the wall does not go nearly as fast. That's, it goes very slow. But in that moment, it, I had to kind of wrestle with, is this something I have done? Because that, that's life a lot of times. When those bad things come... Is it that, that I haven't been living the right kind of life and God is punishing me? Or is it that it's part of life? Things happen. But what I saw through this time really crushed us. By the way, we had uh, we already lived in a place and we had bought another 30 acres. And we thought we would build a house on that at some point. And so we had a house plus this other land we didn't need at the time with one person not having a job. But through this, we saw so many blessings in our lives. We went to the mailbox one day, and I'm pretty sure it's a federal offense to just slip something in there, but there was something without a, uh, a stamp on it. And we had a Visa card with five or $600 on it and a card. But it was not signed, the jerks. Because <laughs> I, I want to thank you for your gift, right? But someone is so selfless as to give us that kind of money and not even tell us who it's from. And though this was a, it felt like a very dark time in our lives, the light of Christ, the light of God shone on us. And we could see, okay, 
God doesn't want us to be going through all of this. And the body of Christ reaching out and helping one of its members when it's struggling is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we will be forever touched with that. Katie and I talk often about being able to help people like we have been helped because we have experienced this. We want to be the same hands and feet of Jesus to other people. Because all of you that raised your hands and you've experienced that, that is something powerful in your life, is it not? That, that though things aren't going right, though nobody is wishing this situation to happen, this faithfulness in God is not gone, is it? It's not thrown away because everything's not going well. I think in times like this, it is magnified at the beauty that God can bring out of some of our darkest times. I think Hezekiah saw that, and we'll see next week that even though Hezekiah was a great king, his next son was not. We immediately see a turn back. Isaiah, though Isaiah saw this beauty of God, though he, he knew kind of where he stood, he, he understood that the people would still be taken from their homelands, taken from their very homes. <laughs> even though his faith was great in this moment. One of the things we saw with Isaiah today was at the end of this first scene that we read about, there's this question. Who are we going to send? And Isaiah, it doesn't give any commentary there, but you you almost feel like Isaiah in the moment just couldn't help himself. He's overwhelmed. He's seeing things he never expected to see. And when the question is asked, he says, here am I, what? Send me. me. And I think oftentimes the the church has called this, the, the church has asked this very same question. And though we've seen the faithfulness of God, though we've seen the faithfulness of Christ's body in our darkest times, sometimes I believe we get asked the question, who can we send? And we're all looking around like, I hope it's not me. Man, I'm glad there are other people here because I sure don't want to go. And the beauty of of Isaiah in this moment is just a, I'm going to put everything aside. Here am I. Send me. And so every week, every day, every hour of our lives, we're asked this question, are you going to be faithful to God? Are you going to to stand up and say, I will go. I will do this. And we talk a lot about our our plans for this place and the building we want and the desire to affect the community. But it doesn't matter what size building we have, how, how beautiful it is or anything like that. If we have a whole church full of people saying, I hope they're here to send them. But if we have a whole group that says, I'll do it. Man, God can do some fantastic things, can He? And so that's my prayer for our church this morning. Maybe I need to step up and do more things that that I haven't been doing. Can we ask that of God? Can we ask God to reveal that in ourselves? God, show me the way that I am unclean. Show me the way that I need to step up and be there for my, my, my fellow Christians, my fellow members of the body of Christ. How can I shine your light better in this community? So that's our question. And I pray that we don't ask this question and and kind of do the whole look around thing. 
But we are bold and strong, and, and Scripture tells us that you were not given a, a spirit of timidity, but of power. Some of us need to latch on to that this morning and say, here am I, send me. What can I do? There are plenty of opportunities right here in this church right now to teach, to help set up. And I, I think everyone who sets up every week, whether we're here or there, you guys have been awesome at, uh, at our moving around. We're kind of like the Israelites wandering in the desert, aren't we? You may not know where to find us the next week, but we're around, aren't we? But I thank you for your willingness to, to serve and do that. But can we say, here am I, send me. What's next? What can I do? So we're going to offer a, a song of invitation. Jordan has one pick this morning. I just want to encourage you to pray that prayer. God, what is it that I can do to step up and to help your body in this place at this time? Not only to help the people here now, but all of the people that we believe are coming, right? With all the population growth planned in this community, we better be a church not always looking to the future. Well, I'll help out then. But what can I do to plan for that now? And so if you have any, any needs this morning, we'd love to pray with you. love to encourage you. If you haven't been baptized into Christ's name, we'd love to do that as well. Uh, would you come as we stand and sing?